Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'd just like to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Tops Tiles. Now, whatever your interior taste or style of home, there's a Tops Tile for you. <laughs> Follow them on Instagram, at Tops Tiles, for some everyday inspiration. I love a bit of tile inspiration. I mean, I've said it before, I just don't have enough tiles in my house. I really need to deal with that. Is it too late for New Year's resolutions? Oh, seriously, don't get me started. I've got that awful bathroom to do. So I'm definitely on the hunt for some inspiration. And um, I think I might want to do my kitchen as well this year. Maybe I should start looking for inspiration for the shower room. It's been used by two teenage boys for the last few years, so it could do with a revamp. (laughs) So if, like us, you have a big project on for this year, hop on over to Tops Tiles for oodles of inspo. Now, with everything a bit grim and miserable and, well, February-ish... It's my birthday month. <laughs> All right, yeah. Oh, it's sorry, nice. we like February. <laughs> Drinks around yours, then. Um, you might be struggling to find much love for the great outdoors at the moment, but today's episode will inspire you. Because today we are on location with Oliver Heath, who is an expert in the field of sustainable architecture and biophilic design. In other words, the point where the great indoors and the great outdoors meet. Do you like what I did there? Who wrote that? That was good, wasn't it? (laughs) So as well as heading his own architecture and design practice, Oliver takes his knowledge across the globe to talk to architects about his research that really underpins health and well-being. And of course, we know him from his numerous TV appearances and he has written, Kate Watson-Smythe, three whole books. So have I. favourite subject. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, you're even Stevens. So, Oliver, hi, and thank you for having us in your home. It's a pleasure. Should we be outside? Oh, God, no, it's freezing out there. We've actually had storms down here on the south coast, haven't we? So, just just to put it out there, Oliver lives in Brighton on the south coast. And was it Storm Brenda? Brenda. He was in London, you know. Brendan. Brendan. Oh, Oh, he's in London Oh, yeah, bins blew over something chronic every ten minutes. So no, let's stay in your lovely warm home if we can. We're inside then. We're in the great indoors. So this house, it already looks different from the others on the street, but it's a 1960s house, I think you said? Yeah, that's right. There were two houses built next to each other, both 1960s, you know, familiar, like wall-hung tiles, you know, terracotta stuff, lots of brick. Uh, plastic windows. Uh, we bought Quite that. big windows, though. Big windows. That's yeah. the nice thing yeah. about 1960s house. They don't have the floor-to-ceiling heights, but they do have nice big windows because of the sort of change in technology of, of the metal lintels going across. So, so lots of light going in, and you have a better footplate, but you don't necessarily have that kind of like more elegant floor-to-ceiling height. But that really suited me because I wanted to do an eco-conversion uh, and transform something to being you know, fit for the future. So I remember speaking to you, I think it might have been the week you moved in, I was interviewing you for The Independent, 
and uh, you were talking about your plans to make this an eco house, I think was the phrase at the time. You know, I didn't really know what that meant at that stage. So you, you were very ahead of everyone, not only with buying a mid-century house, but also trying to convert it and make it sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I made it my mission from the point yeah. that I was, you know, going on TV and doing the likes of change rooms to go that, you know, I've got this amazing platform to talk about stuff. I want to talk about things that I believe are really important to people, to houses, and sustainability, I believe, is just going to become so important. And, and of course, now we're seeing it, even, you know, over the last couple of years, it's just taking off. So finding this house that nobody would go like, oh, you've got to restore it to its form of beauty. That, you know, a phrase that just absolutely kills my design. <laughs> Intentions, you know, like yeah. nobody's going to worry, you know, if I transform the house. So, yeah, we, we got this, this house, blank canvas. We, we took all the wall hung tiles off. We rendered it with insulated render, insulated the attic, put insulation under the floors, draft proofed it. So is that like it. number one? Yeah. Start with the insulation. Insulation. When you're retrofitting an old, on older property. Yeah, yeah, insulating it, making it draft proof and then we had to you know ventilate the property so we've got air coming in and out and then you know how you, do you do that then we see that little circular vent up there oh that belies just in this very complicated system called a, a whole house heat recovery system Ooh. so it looks really simple basically it's like a, a series of a tentacles of, of pipes going all the way through the house going to a box in the attic about the size of a dishwasher and that basically takes warm moist air extracts the warmth and then pumps warmed fresh air back into the other living rooms of the house. So the house is constantly drawing air out and then pumping fresh air back and in. So you've had to take and the house filters. apart to do that, We took it right back to the complete bare bones. So literally, floors up, walls out, yeah. windows out. And is it easier to do that? You said you were looking for a 60s house. Is it just easier to do it in a 60s house than someone who's bought a Victorian house? With a more modern house, you've already got cavity walls that you can put your cavity wall insulation in. Right, yeah. Um, you don't have the heritage issue, so nobody's going to go, you can't do that to an old house. Also, we've got all these cupboards going through the house. Like, they have lots of big cupboards, so we could put all these big pipes going through to feed the pipes to here and there and up to the attic, which you don't tend to have all that storage necessarily built in to a Victorian house. Yeah, so it sort of lent itself in the first place. Yeah. So having then taken it apart and reassembled it with rendering and insulation to make it function. Then do we get to the fun bit? The no, decorating? No, no, got, no fun then, yet. Then, then, no, no, no. <laughs> then I, was gonna, I want to talk about budget as well, because yeah. this is all sounding like this is... Then you, got, you just want to talk about money. cushions. There's well, no, yeah. I can't even see a cushion. Sorry. <laughs> I, know. I should say, I come from an architectural background, so I studied architecture for a long time. So, the, you know, the bare bones and the way a house works yeah. is really important. And this kind of underpins the, how you deliver health and well-being to a home, really. You know, it's got to be warm. You've got to sort out the, the damp and the moisture. Are modern houses being built with all this in mind? Like yeah, new mean, the, houses should have all this yeah, already, well, right? Yeah, well, lots do. I mean, the, okay. the, you know, the reality is, is that 80% of the buildings that we'll be living in by 2050 are already here. So we're only going to build 20% more buildings. So the issue is, how do we deal with old buildings to make them healthy for us and, and serve us into the future? And also, most people can't take their house apart and retrofit. No. So, I mean, the one thing I, I'm thinking we could all do is just open the window a bit more often. Yeah. 
Is be, that... be conscious of what you might have mold and yeah. the ventilation. What happens quite a lot is you, you take an old house that's naturally ventilated through sash windows or through air bricks. You seal all that up yeah. with UPVC windows and suddenly there's, there's no air getting in and out in the yeah. way that, that the houses sort of naturally worked. You know, even though the sash windows, as you lift the bottom up and drop the bottom, you've got a natural ventilation system of cold air coming in at the bottom and warm air escaping at the top. So you should have sash windows open at the top and bottom at the same time? Yeah. I so, didn't so, know so that. Circulated. I only yeah, have yeah, mine yeah. open at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so, a, so it's actually a very clever piece so of technology. So that's isn't it? I'm for the time. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. So, so then you think about, well, you know, energy, electricity, so, so low energy uh, technology like lighting and dishwashers and fridges and freezers that are on the whole time. And then other resources like water. You know, water was a real bugbear for me. I just hate the idea of wasting water. Yeah. But what we're heading towards is houses just being powered by electricity. And mm. in 10 years' time there'd be far fewer houses with boilers and electricity coming in. So we are moving towards this kind of... And renewable system. electricity, that's the key, isn't yes. it? Get your energy from a renewable... But that's the easiest thing. You can just go mm. to a, new, a renewable mm. supplier. You just switch to somebody. So there are loads of companies like Good Energy, Ecotricity, Bulb. That's the easiest thing you can do, really. So we'll put all that in the show notes with links so that people can... Switch over. Switch over. Yeah. yeah, number one easiest thing to yeah. do. So everyone's going absolutely mad for well-being and biophilic design. And all oh, you're the person to tell us. Where did it all come from? So biophilia means a love of nature. And uh, it's a term that was popularised in the 1980s. And it's sort of been working its way through commercial design, particularly workplace design, where they can measure things like productivity and staff turnover uh, and absenteeism. So it's got this really strong business case that, that demonstrates that when you improve the human connection to nature, it can help to reduce stress, which is obviously very damaging in the workplace, but also help people getting back to being at their best. So it's been investigated in commercial spaces like workplaces and hospitality and healthcare. And now we're seeing a real interest in people going, well, if it helps in the workplace, what could it do to my home? You know, homes are so important to our lives. There's so much opportunity. So having then done the bones of the building, yeah. were there other sort of decorative things you do or was that all about the sort of water and Well, eating? we're standing in Oliver's sort of open plan kitchen dining there's a bit of a living space here and I have to say first up there's been no compromise on the decor this is a gorgeous space to be in and doesn't feel like a 1960s box you've really added layers of texture and interest and decoration so there's a, a wood-burning stove and then the, the wall is clad Let's talk in about that wall, timber planks yeah yes so this actually this actually large type of tree, uh, came down in this big storm of 1987, if you remember that, oh, from yeah, Kew Gardens. Yeah. So this is actually kind of historic. It's got a little bit of a well, story to it. Were you up there it. the next day with your little van? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm having that. Oh, right. yeah. How did you find 1987 vintage larch planking? Uh, I was in a factory own? at the time, the, the factory where I got the timber for the front what, of the a house. What, a timber factory? Yeah, right. outside Lewis. And uh, I was saying, yeah, I've got any old timber, I want something a bit of character. And he just turned around and said, oh, see that whole wall? We're getting rid of that. Oh, it was and actually a structure in the was, building? It was in a factory as a whole wall, oh, which is why wow. it's quite nicely aged. And it's got lots of knocks and dents and scratches. And uh, I said, well, I'll have that then. So they, they literally took the whole wall down. And the nice thing about it is that it's so knocked and dented and scratched, it just lasts really well. So it's been here kind of 10 years. And through 10 years of hectic, scribbly family life, where yeah. the kids are just drawing and everything... But because it's got all this character already, you know, if we put a nail in the wall and then take it out, you can't 
see it and if the okay. kids scribble on it or scratch it, it sort of just and is that quite away. important to you because obviously you know you're an architecture a designer I'd say traditionally architects can be quite uptight about their <laughs> yeah. yeah. finishes but it doesn't sound like you are uh, no 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 I, I much like nature I mean I think we take beauty from the imperfections and that adds character and identity as we get older you have to take pride in those imperfections the the, the kind of the stories of one's life whether it's the sort of the scratches and the scars and the dents and, and, and the stuff that are yeah, more we've got visible. Yeah, we haven't we? <laughs> um, everyone has them. You know, that's, like, that's the story of your life and, and it creates that backdrop of who you are. And you don't so, mind that the home does the same thing, ages well, that, elegantly with you. <laughs> I think it's much better. Uh, I mean, the floor, for instance, was um, brushed. Is this an engineered wood floor? It's an engineered wood floor. Yeah. Uh, but it was wire brushed so that over time it sort of, you know, inevitably just takes in a little bit of the dirt and then enhances what, in, the grain. Into the grain of the yeah. wood. Right, okay. Point being that it's very, very good at hiding marks from the dog, you know, muddy footprints, dust and everything. And it kind of takes the stress out of family living yeah. not to be like if you've got a white surface it's only going to be pristine white or messy yeah a really, a really good girlfriend of mine's got yeah i know but you your house is like you're quite precious about your house aren't you, you must be out with that mop daily no that's the mad husband <laughs> yeah exactly that's it she's got a mad really? husband wow. but I, I had, a, I had a, a girlfriend had this lovely white large kitchen floor put in i mean it's stunning it's beautiful mm. but she is she's hyperventilating daily mm. if anyone walks in with stilettos yeah. the dogs aren't allowed in the house because of it because it's quite so, it's quite soft yeah and i just think gosh that's so what stressful stress. but we i think even though it looks lovely ours is the compromise because it's reclaimed floorboards painted white so they're already have got yeah. chips in and holes and knots so they yes, never looked perfect. It's not perfect so it kind of works as a pale color but i'm interested did you want a timber clad wall i mean you know, you know like you're a in a happy accident yeah i mean you're in a city it's quite an urban environment so was there a conscious decision to clad the wall in wood or you know did you just do it because you like the look of it it was a real conscious decision um there's actually evidence and research from a number of different countries particularly forest countries such as those found in scandinavia but also japan uh, and australia that demonstrates that when you use timber on walls it has the ability to reduce heart rates and blood pressure levels so that's, that's kind of amazing. So your choice of materials can physiologically affect how you feel in a space. Uh, but also the bed that you sleep in, if it's made of timber, can reduce your heart rate. So... What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So if I've got... <laughs> yeah? If I've got a bed that's made of timber, but it's covered in a mattress and bedding and everything, and I can't see the timber, is it subliminally making me feel more relaxed? Or do you need to see the timber in order to feel I think relaxed. you need to see it. Oh, okay. So, so, so it's you, a visual connection. So you see the, the bed That's that I've designed upstairs oh, has yes, we'll a lot of sort of a very heavily wire-brushed, it's scorched and wire-brushed timber. Following this research, going, well, look, this is amazing. And, and I think what's interesting is that as designers, we are taught about our design heroes. Yeah. You know, maybe it's Mies van der Rohe or any of those others, you know, whether it's kind of gothic or postmodernism or minimalism, we, we follow our design heroes and, and that's what we're taught at school. Yeah. But actually... These are just people with good publicity and an opinion. Very few of them. Ooh, that's quite if a any, that's quite a punchy statement. Isn't it? <laughs> just Sorry, Lee. Just be on with a strong opinion. Exactly. There's Sorry. no research. <laughs> there's no yeah. research that, that yeah. demonstrates that their work is better than anyone else. So what we do is we look at the work of environmental psychologists who've gone out there, done extensive studies over many years, very often. And we go, well, that's, that's an interesting thing. How can we translate that into a piece yeah. of design? So one particular study that I think is pertinent to this room is uh, a study called the Harvard Grant Study. It was carried out over 76 years. 
And what they did is they studied a, a group of men over this period of time to find out what was the key to human happiness. Men they studied only. It was, unfortunately. It was 76 men. years ago. So what they wanted to do was to find what the, was the key to human happiness. Was it job? Was it status? Was it money? Yeah. And what they found was the key to human happiness is the formation of strong bonds with friends and family. So as a designer, I think, well, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. you could translate that in all sorts of ways in, in, in different areas of one's life. But as a designer, how do we bring people together? And, yes. and how fundamental is that yeah. to you and your happiness? So... Within the whole house, the dining table then becomes the central key feature that brings everyone together. It's the place where you do the homework, you sit down, you get the sewing machine out, you do drawings on there, and at several points in the day, you sit and eat a meal. Yeah. And it's the therapeutic quality of sitting face-to-face, -face, eating, not necessarily having to have a conversation, but it facilitates that conversation yeah. and the strengthening of the bonds between a family or with friends. So that's why the whole house is kind of centred around this It is. Table. This is very much the central part of your house, isn't it? And everything goes off to the garden, it? to the but kitchen, to the lounge. But it's all open plan. I mean, you've got a door to the hall. Yeah. Um, but effectively, we're, we're in an L shape with the kitchen at one point leading into the dining room and then round the corner into the sort of sitting room snug area. That's why the fireplace is here as well, to create that sense of warmth and the flickering flames. Yeah. And to create so that real, real sort of heart fire, of the home. A real fire you feel is important, that flickering flame you just talked about. For me... Yes, and there's a really interesting reason why real fires are good. So of course there is, yes. <laughs> so there's all there's lots of ideas. Yes, so there's this idea called non-rhythmic sensory stimuli, which is Brilliant. basically... I'm loving all the geeks speak, are you? <laughs> I'm laughing it up. <laughs> I'm worried about how I'm going to spell rhythmic. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, look it up, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's a complicated name for something that, that is actually very simple. So non-rhythmic sensory stimuli is that wonderful, very calming sense of movement you see when uh, the wind blows through the leaves on a tree or creates oh, ripples across yeah. a pool of water or that very sort of calming effect that a fish tank has as you sit and gaze onto it you know it's it's constantly moving yet remains the same it, it's non-threatening uh, it's very relaxing and restorative and the flickering flames of a fire do, do exactly, exactly the same thing it's very engaging it, it makes you feel warm and safe you can maybe cook food over it so there's lots of sort of evolutionary yeah. reasons why flickering flames make us feel good and safe. feels quite primal, doesn't it, a real it fire? It's exactly and it's, it's interesting how thing. people are just drawn to it. Like in the summer, if you have a yeah. campfire, mm. it's always the place everybody yeah. draws around. And that around. crackle, isn't there? The crackle yeah. of wood and yeah. sometimes the smell. Yes. And, and interestingly, what we believe is that it's that shared moment in nature that puts you in a more comfortable, relaxed, more positive and open and optimistic states that facilitates better discussions. And you know exactly that thing of sitting around a campfire... Maybe you've got a glass of wine. But you, you just gaze into the fire and you have quite different conversations with people because of that yeah. sense of warmth and safety and the multi-sensory inputs you get. I've got a wood burning stove too and we love it, but they have had quite a lot of bad press, haven't they? Yeah, lately? I mean, we're, we're, we're living in very rapidly changing times and there's a lot of conversation about air quality at the moment there are there are the rules are changing all the time the key thing with the wood burning stove is you absolutely must burn dry seasoned wood because wet wood obviously gives off a lot more smoke so it's a lot more polluting so and of course we'll put all this information on our blogs and in the show notes i'm madaboutthehouse.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk and what about coal are you allowed to burn that still in certain areas and smokeless coal, that's more complicated. But the wood burning stoves are meant for wood. Oh, yeah, they are. Okay, so ignore I just said that. Yeah, let's cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so we've done. Clean so the name, Sarah. The clean is the name. It's right. a wood burning stove. Ah, mmm. The 
first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Oh, gosh, I am loving the look of this. Oliver, you've had a redecoration. Yeah, we... So, we... I just put it out there. Me and Olive have been friends for many, many years, and I actually knew you when you were building this place. Yeah, and we, I remember we, you, you giving here. me the original tool when it was a building site. Now, I haven't been round for a bit. I think you were here at the, the New Year's Eve party oh, where yes, we were drawing memorable. on the walls. Just be- oh, yeah. Oh, God, you still got it photographs so of that somewhere that party, <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this has had a redecoration, this room. It, I remember it being white and light, but you've gone, you've gone to the dark side. We so have, it's behind yeah, yeah. the reclaimed sliding door. I can't see it out of my way. <laughs> oh, That's so it's, um, it's, it's like a pocket very thing. green. Oh, can you hear the Ooh. rustle of the palm trees? It is, it yeah. is very green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then a black... A black, so another wooden wall, but this is black. This is actually stained, stained okay. with, with Osmo, wood stain. I think when we started in the house, we wanted to create a very light, reflective house. So we used a lot of white paint to bounce light around yeah. so that you didn't have to turn lights on. So there was a real environmental approach to the, the choice of white. And now we've moved on a little bit and we're talking much more about human-centered design and the way that design makes you feel. Yeah. And, you know, when it came to re-looking at our, our little lounge space... Um, yeah, so wanted... just, just roughly, what is the square footage here? Because it feels really snug, doesn't yeah. it? Ten, ten foot square? Could it's you probably a bit bigger than that. So it's probably uh, three yes. metres by four. It's probably 12 square metres. I was born in the 60s. <laughs> what can I tell you? Yeah. Something like that. What's 12 square metres in? Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. I know 12 square metres the size of a stable. Oh, it's a stable. I just know that. So there you go. It's a, it's a yeah. stable We have no room. idea how big this room is, all right? But you it's get a the horse size in it. of a small double bedroom or a horse. There we go. <laughs> That's this room, which is decorated in a lovely, this is a very oh, Sophie colour, deep colour, emerald yeah. green, yes. isn't it? On, well, two walls. One wall is glass looking out to the garden, and then there's the black stained wooden clad wall. Yes. We wanted to have quite a dark reclusive room somewhere we could just come and chill and we could hang out on the on the sort of big l-shaped sofa it's got a sort of velvet actually it's less of a sofa more like a double bed it is yeah yeah so so this is a you know a little movable feature ottoman so the Um, idea is the footstool pushes into the l-shape so you can essentially cuddle up like you're in bed to watch a movie so it means all four of us can get on here watch tv watch a movie or just hang out and spend time in here uh because it's a 1960s house and not a a, a victorian house we don't have any fireplaces in the house that naturally create alcoves to put books in so for ages we're like where are we gonna put the books so we created in a sense a sort of a focal point with this multi-shaped like a modular cube yeah it's very, it's, it really it? is very, very simple, but it creates a kind of focal point for the room. It's lifted off the floor to make the room feel a little bit bigger. Oh, clever. And there are some just kind of very warm lights in there so that, you know, you, the, the room just feels very snug. When you in say a, warm lights, what, just sort of little, oh. you've popped a few table lights in well, there. Well, yeah, they're just sort of... Oh, yeah, down on the floor. Oh, oh look, he's got, he's got a pink crystal. He's got a crystal. <laughs> I love these. So, <laughs> so tell us about, so that's, a, is so that this a salt is a, light? It's a Himalayan rock salt lamp. That's of course it is. And, uh, <laughs> 
you only find them in, in those hippie shops. Uh, and there's and there's one or two of those in Brighton, I believe. Kate's always in the hippie shops <laughs> with their dream catchers. Exactly. So we recently designed a meditation and yoga space in central London, and we designed this sort of beautiful central feature with about seven or eight of them clustered together. And there is something so warming and wonderful about the light they give off. Because the light bulb is inside the rock crystal, so you get and this it sort heats of it. Well, it's a bit like a glow. lava lamp, isn't it? Without the movement, yeah, that's the colour. A lot of texture, and, yeah. but it's this wonderful warm light. It's quite a dusk light, light. Yeah. So it makes you feel very calm. Oh, it's super nice. And there's lots of plants. I mean, you know, obviously you've got the enormous windows. Yeah like you had in the dining room looking out to the garden, but we've got plants hanging from the ceiling, they're on the floor. It gives it quite a jungly f- yes. vibe, doesn't well, it? And in the in the bookcases as well, yeah. those pops of green. And the green everywhere. looks amazing, doesn't it? Against the yeah. Is that why you had green walls? Was that... No. I just that was colour. in Budapest recently and I went to an art gallery and saw this painting, uh, a Goya painting. Right. And uh, it had this beautiful green. I came back home and said, Kate, look, look, I've taken a picture of this. Look at and this. Kate is your wife, just to yeah, flag yeah. it up. Uh, and does she, uh, is she this. on board with all of this, or has she ever said, you know, really, I don't want another wooden wall. I'd like some nice, smooth plaster, please, love. Kate's very creative. Katie is a jewellery and award designer, so she designs awards for oh, wow. competitions and things. So she's very creative and, and trusting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, supportive of, of these ideas. Yeah. But the ideas aren't necessarily born out of, you know, whim or fancy. It's like, look at this and let's do this. And I've got to say, initially I got the colour wrong and it was too bright. It was a bit green screen. Yes. So I painted the room and I was like, no, it's wrong. Two shades darker and it just felt that much more I think that's so great to flag up that, you know, here you are, award-winning interior designer and you know that you can put paint on the wall and go, no, it's not right and redo it. Because so many people have angst about getting paint colours wrong. And I think it's just really nice to put it out there and saying sometimes until you get it on the walls, you don't actually know and it's fine to change it. It's worth it because otherwise the stuff just bugs me so badly. So So I want to go upstairs and see the bed that's going to make me sleep better. Oh, yeah, let's see that. Go on. It's much more lived in up here. <laughs> uh, this is nice. This is a really nice hanging uh, plant holder called the Morva by uh, Tom Raffield. Uh, oh, do you know him? Oh, Based him. down in Cornwall. He does really, really beautiful stuff. And uh, I really love hanging plants. It's lovely to have plants hanging down. Always makes houses and, and buildings feel much more lush and tropical. Yeah. Having stuff hanging down and, and seeing plants in one's periphery and not just coming up from the floor. So having oh, stuff like this so having the plants down. coming in different directions. The other thing yeah. is, if you live in a small house and you don't have the floor space, hanging plants from the ceiling is just a yes. really great way of getting them and having a lot of visual impact from them. Yes. So this one hangs all the way down the stairwell. Yeah, that's clever. Is that a grapevine? It's, no, it's, it's an ivy. It's like English it's ivy. Grapevine. Oh, yeah. God, you're such a Londoner. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we call them in London. You call it ivy down here. We call it grapevine, darling. <laughs> So, oh, look. Oh, is this, is this your design, this bed? Yes. So it's a bed that looks like a house, essentially. Like a Wendy yeah, It's house. got like a black sort of timber frame. Yeah. And then importantly, the headboard... Is wood again. Is wood again. And this is a particular type of wood. It's called Shosugiban timber. And it's a Japanese technique for scorching and then uh, wire brushing the timber down. So when Because you, it's not black. It doesn't look burnt. No. You've brushed all you've the burnt wood off. You've brushed all the burnt wood off. And the, and the burning uh, burns off the softer bits of timber between the, the harder grain. Right. And it, it creates this very lovely textural surface. So listen to this. Oh, yes, that's yeah. nice. So what is a, it? A really, oh, I'm not sure it is. Oh, really, I don't know. 
And that was more just to show you that how raised it is. So it's kind of yeah. like very textural. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it feels very woody. Now, the nice thing about that is you know immediately it's not a plastic laminate surface. Oh. So it has a real sense of authenticity so and what, texture. So what are your thoughts on faux timbers, be that a laminate or a printed tile or a wallpaper? Oh, look at the, look, look at the face. <laughs> I got two Shop take so, so um, I think it's much better to have real forms of nature in mm. and around one's life. But if you can't, then maybe it's better to have some visual texture. Right. Um, better than nothing? Or it's better than nothing better to have some nothing. timber surface. But I'd always strive to have real timber. Because ideally. you're not just getting the look, you're getting the feel. The sensory quality. The sensory exactly. Quality, I mean, yeah. we have all these sensors and we tend to just design for the visual. Yes. And we understand, you know, 80% of our built environment through our eyes. But the thing I wanted to tell you about here, in here, yeah. is actually um, bedrooms are really, really important. I mean, they're not just a sort of sanctuary to sort of hide away from the kids. Uh, <laughs> they are partly that. And then, of course, spend time with, with one's loved ones. But sleep is so important to us. And it's so fundamental to our health and well-being. But we've really taken it for granted. Yeah. You know, have people boasting how little sleep they need. But the impact of poor sleep, of course, as we all know, as parents or designers or, you know, people have busy lives, the impact of poor sleep is catastrophic on one's life and, and one's daily life and one's relationship with people. You know, when you don't sleep well, it affects your everything interpersonal relationships. You, you mm. uh, well, Katie says one gets grumpy. I, I <laughs> Uh, my wife, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I've never seen it myself. Um, when you don't see it, you know, you, it affects your relationships, you, your, your ability to focus, to concentrate, you get distracted easily. And also, uh, if you don't sleep well, it can actually make you more attracted to fatty foods. So there's a risk of diabetes, obesity, depression, and even cancer. So we really need to think about how we design our bedrooms to support good sleep. Oh, come yeah. on, what are your top tips? And so Hit that is them. really important to me. So the first thing is natural light is fundamental to yeah, I... getting good night's sleep. Natural light affects our circadian rhythms. And our circadian rhythms are our body's reactions to periods of light and dark across a 24-hour period. It affects our mood, our behaviour, and importantly, our body's release of melatonin and serotonin, which the body's sleep-wake hormones. So Serotonin's getting... the happy one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So... Getting enough natural light balances up your circadian rhythm, which, which helps you to be uh, both alert and awake in the daytime and also to sleep better at night. So being outside, getting what we call a photon shower, which is an intense burst of natural light, is really, really important every day. And, you know, we spend 90% of our lives indoors. So I know, it's astonishing. It's, it's yeah, amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, so, incredible. So getting out and uh, being in natural light is really important to reset your circadian rhythms. But of course, in the middle of winter, there's not so much natural light and we have to think about technology. You know, we, in our lives, of course, we've welcomed in televisions, laptops, tablets, and it's the blue light that comes from this technology that, that late at night stimulates the brain. It tells your brain it's the middle of the day and we all know that thing of looking at our smartphones, yeah. uh, you know, social media, the news, the weather, putting your phone down, thinking that you're tired and then still, you know, you're, you're Brain is yeah. whirring and buzzing. In uh, in my bedroom, I have here. Well, you've got two chandeliers. 
hanging down either side. Yes. Oh, side. I love those. Vintage um, glass so, beaded chandeliers. So these are kind of vintage chandeliers. Um, importantly, they are being used to hide these light bulbs. Now, these are Philips Hue light bulbs. Now, the nice thing about this is that they're colour changing. So at night, what we do is oh, we... Oh, no way. So you've, you've got an app on your smartphone yeah. and the ordinary sort of yellowy light that we normally get has just gone sort of ready pinky colour. orange, like a dusk oh, it's a deep colour. Oh, it's a dusk It's oh, like dusk, so it reminds oh, the brain. Oh, I really want some of these. Yes. Oh, I really... Because, because what's nice... I never understood what the point was because I've spoken okay. to them before and I just thought, well, I don't want to live in a disco. Why do I want to change the colours of the lights? No. And they didn't explain to me what the Ooh, actual point like that was. That's, that's a very that's harsh a really, daylight. This is really daylight. daylight. This is the light that comes from a computer, laptop or TV. Oh, that's horrible. So it's you harsh, see the difference. It? It's yeah. a very, yeah. really bright, very bright white very light. Very energising. And it's great in the middle of the day to kind yeah. of energise you. If you're sitting at your desk and want to be energised, burst of natural light. But at night, turn it down to deep orange. Oh my god, you're making it lighter. So it's got a dimmer on yeah. it as well, this phone app. So, yes. Oh, you've got to have your phone in the room though, you see. Yeah, now you see what happens. <laughs> Talk yourself out of that. Come on, Oliver. No, no, no. In reality, once you set the colour, you can take your phone out of the room, charge it up somewhere else, and then turn the light off by the switch. By a traditional switch. Yes. And you would tend to, that's your evening colour is the orange, so you don't need it to be green or pink or exactly. different colours. Exactly, so colours. it's orange so it's, and you're trying so to have that just for at least once. an hour before you go to sleep, yeah. so you just remove that kind of stimulating light. Got it. Forget that. This is a Lumi light clock. A Lumi So this is a new edition. Clock. I'm going to... It's L-U-M-I-E. I've heard about Lumi those. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to turn this off and you'll see the, the impact of that. So basically, uh, a Lumi light clock uses colour-changing light to wake you up in the morning. So it's much, oh, much yes. more gentle than a blaring alarm clock. Is it one of those ones clock. that come on, the light yeah. comes on gradually before you awake? Yeah. So I set oh, my yeah. alarm for uh, like 6.45 in the morning. Half an hour before that, the light starts very, very gently as a sort of, as a deep orange. You can't quite see it in this light. You can just about see it there. Yeah. And then over the course of half an hour, it gently turns on from orange to yellow. And eventually, at the point that I'm supposed to wake up, it's bright like that. Oh, bright, bright white. Blue. Bright bluey white. So it very gently wakes you up using light. And at that point, then an acoustic alarm comes in that, that's basically birdsong. Oh, so it's a very, get out of here. It's a very gentle <laughs> way of waking up. I've got Radio 4 and some horrible politician shouting in my ear at 6.30 in the morning. Exactly. It's gone really badly wrong, yeah. hasn't it? So oh, wow. it's so much, it's much more gentle. it's mimicking nature way. again, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. mimicking the sunrise and, and the birdsong. So song. trying to sort of key into some of those much more evolutionary ways of waking up with mm. natural light and i've got to say when i wake up in the morning because i wake up much more generally at the point that my alarm is supposed to wake me up i'm feeling awake You're already and I, I tend shudder. to get out i'm not like going for the snooze button it's much better to get up feeling so you awake. it makes you feel a bit more perky does it in the morning you sort of well, i get up and go and do, do some exercise and it means that at the point that i wake up i'm not going like i can't i can't be bothered i can't today. face it i can't face it i'm too you tired you wake up feeling ready for exercise that is groundbreaking. Who yeah. feels that? Who feels like getting up and doing... I think he's a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be. I'm a healthy weirdo. Huh? A so healthy, healthy weirdo. Yeah. Okay. So there are better facts. I think it's brilliant. I'm, I'm very taken with that. I really like the idea of doing it in reverse at bedtime because I always get into bed and read and sort of read till my eyes are heavy. But actually yeah. the idea of the light sort of gradually fading till I couldn't see and then making me I think me my time. eyes are now, as I'm getting older, is doing yeah. that for me anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> The lights are just going out. I'm just getting older now, or the lights going down, I'm not sure. I don't need to be reminded of that quite so much. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip. 
So the other thing is, obviously, you've got the lighting that works really well and the wooden bed. And there's an enormous cheese plant, a monster <laughs> monstera in the corner. So plants is good as well. Yes. I mean, our approach is what we call biophilic design. So biophilia means a love of nature. Yeah. And it's all about how you improve the human connection to nature and the buildings that are so important to our lives, like our homes. So part of that is about bringing real forms of nature in or being able to see elements of nature. So in the bedroom here, we've got a, a large monstera plant that has sort of rather got out of control. It seems really like Whose side here. of the bed is that? Uh, I feel, that's Katie's side. I was yeah, going to yeah. say, not yeah. Katie. Yeah. It's like, feed <laughs> Miss Seymour. And that's Little Chapel Horrors. Little Chapel Horrors, yeah, yeah. it's up for Katie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she no. might actually be having nightmares. I think this biophilic design might not be working for her. We'll have to ask her. She's never worked out entangled by it. So. Yeah. Um, no, lots of plants are actually very good for us. So as well as being, you know, good for adding visual texture and colour into the home, uh, lots of plants can actually remove toxins. So they can remove things like volatile organic compounds that we find in paints yeah. and in varnishes. Formaldehydes that we find, it's like, that's like the glue that, that pulls a chipboard together. Right. And find anywhere where you've got glue gluing things together, you can find formaldehyde, maybe brominated fire retardants, which is what they put onto sofas and fabrics. So plants are very good at removing those and they, they sort of ingest it through the roots and remove that from uh, interior spaces. So as well as uh, removing toxins, they help to modify temperature and humidity as well. So of course, you know, the earth kind of draws in the humidity that's formed when you breathe at night. Is there a certain plants for certain rooms or does it not go into that much detail it's just having some kind of plant uh, there are certain plants that are better for different rooms so some oh, plants right, so. give off oxygen in the day and take out co2 at night i thought some, they all did that some do the other way around uh what you want to do is produce oxygen at night and remove co2 so certain plants like mother-in-law's tongue uh, uh snake plants i think uh Ivies and ferns are very good for that. And of course, lavender is a very good plant because of the scent that it gives off. You know, relaxing. it's long associated with it being more relaxing and aiding sleep. So certain plants are, are very good at, for bedrooms and other yeah. plants are good for other spaces. That's fascinating. Well, how do you keep them alive? That's my problem. <laughs> uh, you don't. You don't necessarily all the time. But it is actually, the nice thing about it is you've got to get into understanding a plant. You know, a pet will come up to you if it's hungry and a plant will tell you will if it, it needs What's being it looked after. What's it? It's saying Drinking. either I need moisture yeah. or I need a little bit of vapour spray or you've overwatered me. That's quite sophisticated, this plants in this house. Yeah. I, but I, always, I never know because I've got plants where they go brown leaves around the edges and you think, well, is that overwatering or underwatering? Talk to me. I don't know what you want, plants. So we have a sensor. So you have a little probe with a, with a dial uh, and you stick it into the soil and it tells you how much moisture is in there and if it needs watering. Yeah. I need that probe. That's all yeah. I need. They're really good. They're like yeah. five pounds. Well, and it's, it's plant moisture meter. Moisture detector. Moisture yes. meter. I yeah. need that. Yes. And it go. basically tells you if you've overwatered it or underwatered it or if it needs So teenage bedrooms, but the house is going through a transformation. The girls are, you know, 11 and 13. You're looking cagey, Oliver. I am. Looking like... Like... <laughs> <laughs> teenage like, is that like... beads of sweat on your I've got two teenage boys. There is nothing in there that can <laughs> shock me in any way, shape or form. The entire contents of my kitchen are in one of my Actually, boys' bedrooms. It's dark. The bed's not made. <laughs> Oh, my God. This is fine. It doesn't even smell. <laughs> no, it's because we ventilate the rooms. Yes. So that's not even there. So, so we got silks here that hang from the ceiling. So, uh, oh, is that for like um, aerobic y, yoga y, yeah, so anti gravity? Oh, so they've got, they got like swings in the room, which oh, is the words they like. 
Yeah, so we spent most of Christmas just trying to like sort out the rooms uh, and then putting new beds. And, and bigger beds. I think they they need to have a sense of identity, a sense of privacy, uh, somewhere they can bring their friends and just hang out. So double bed means they can lounge around a bit more. And, Obviously and, and desk space, I'm desk saying. Desk space, yeah. uh, uh, storage, you know, they still want their teddies and their stuff. You know, at some point we're going to tackle this, like, do you need all these? And right. Which of these are actually important? But letting go is quite hard, isn't it? That it is really sentimental hard. Yeah, they, they really, attachment. I think some adolescents want to get older and want to be 18, 19, and some are still looking yes, back. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with going, that. What's happened to my childhood and, yeah. and what is the future going to be like? And, and my kids are like really still Stuck enjoying in being yeah. kids and playing and mucking around together and, and being that. And I don't necessarily want to be the older teenager, which I'm, which I'm actually quite, quite, quite pleased with. <laughs> ours, ours, I think, when they went to so secondary... So your boys are... They're 16 and 18, but when so they the went to secondary on. school, I remember one of mine playing with his Lego slightly secretly because he's always quite enjoyed it, um, but feeling that he shouldn't do that or shouldn't admit to it. And then gradually things get moved, but there's sort of one teddy on each shelf, which mm. is the main one, and the others have surreptitiously gone. They still got I should, probably shouldn't say, should I? Um, <laughs> they have them in the room. Yeah, yeah they have brilliant. one. There's always been one main one. Um, but no, they're my, on a very high shelf and they're very dusty. My brother's 43, and when my mum was clearing out, the family home when they moved she held on to a lot of his teddies and then finally we were doing another chuck out and I said to mum look seriously he left home like what over 20 years ago you can get rid of them I took a photo of them and then they went they actually couldn't even go to the charity shop they were so yeah, moth yeah. and then I told him no, I bet he was devastated <laughs> so there you go my husband's it. still really upset that his mother cleared out his um, his pink panther annuals from 1973 oh, furious no. he's furious <laughs> I can understand that yeah yeah, yeah. So we're in the bathroom. Anything bio? Oh, it's echoey, isn't it? Anything it biophilic or, or making yourself happy about the bathroom, or is that just come in, shut the door? As a designer, I tend to think about the sort of sensory journey. So if you imagine in the morning you're woken up very gently with a with kind of changing light from the bedside clock, step out of the warm bed onto the sheepskin rug, onto the wooden floor, and then onto the sort of stone floor in here. Green slate? It's, it's called or... Kirkstone slate from, from the UK. This is the natural green slate? Yes. Beautiful. Yes, it's really beautiful. So it's got a lot of uh, texture and grain and lines on it, so it needed quite a lot of sorting between the bits that had lines in and the bits that didn't. And the little bits where you can just about see have got sort of a um, little bit of sort of gold fleck in it. So it's, you've no. wrapped the floor, the side of the bath and the shower wall in it. So the yes. whole bathroom is sort of wrapped in it. I think it's one of those things that I was conscious that if we're going to do the bathroom, I don't want it to kind of like feel like it's gone out of style, out of fashion. So it's not trend-led. No, yeah. it was much more about just looking at the beauty of natural textures yeah. and, and patterns and going, well, you know, that sort of stuff doesn't go out. Yeah. If we can rely on that, then the house will always feel like it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's interesting, because doing a bathroom, I would argue, is one of the hardest rooms because it's quite a commitment. It's not something we switch and change readily mm. because tilers and plumbers and the materials, yeah. it all adds up, doesn't really it? Does. So this bathroom you obviously did 12 years ago when you did the renovation. Yeah. And it has totally stood the test yeah. of time. And I think maybe because you've gone for quite a classic natural stone mm. rather than anything that was maybe patterned or colourful or... And tile 
uh, trends do change and we think they don't but you know you look back five ten years ago and it's really transformed yeah that limestone bathroom thing was such a huge thing this sort of looks very now again my point is that if you go for natural patterns and textures they tend not to date quite so much awesome i think that's it isn't it that's a brilliant piece of advice so uh reclaimed shutters from a french chateau which you've used as doors on your bathroom storage storage. you've got quite a lot of bathroom storage there are three women in this house (laughs) then um the light that kind of beams through it so that they glow Uh, and then the side light is important psychologically it's really important to put lights either side of the mirror because quite often that's the last thing you'll see of yourself before you step out for the day. Well, it's the most flattering way to light your face, it I've is. understood. What, in sideways? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. A dressing table mirror or a bathroom mirror, having a pair of wall lights either side, so the light's hitting you either side and definitely not above, you know, that yeah. down light shadow oh, that's you get. that's very aging. That's yeah. very My downstairs loo, it's horrible. So you're saying because it's flattering psychologically, that gives you a positive boost. I think so, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, you see yourself in the best light before you step out and face the world every day. I had a mirror. For years, I had a mirror I didn't know inadvertently was a slimming mirror. So I've always gone out of the house going, whoa, I look amazing. I look like Victoria Beckham. And then I saw myself in a proper mirror. It was like, dear God, I've got a diet. No, just keep looking so in that slimming mirror. So boosters, yeah, yes. works really well. <laughs> summary what i'm taking away from oliver's home tour is red light at night folks get away from those screens ditch that blue light and get yourself a lovely dusky glow to fall asleep to um keep it real is the other thing with real natural timbers and materials because it's not just all about the look it's how it makes you feel in your home and it will even lower your heart rate no less and then embrace this whole theory of biophilic design get loads of plants in your home they reduce stress they aid recuperation and they also clean your air works now before we go oliver everybody has to do this tell us your design crime Okay, so my design crime is basically kind of flashy, over-extravagant interiors that make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, I'm there. Like it. You know, it's like gold taps that just show your finger marks. It's like covers over sofas, you know, plastic covers I used to have. Or, or, you know, just extravagant things that that make you feel uncomfortable. I think you've got to keep it real and create spaces that just make you feel great. And if you feel great, then you'll have great interactions with people and people will enjoy being in those spaces. Perfect. I'll sign up for that. (laughs) So before we go, a quick reminder that if you want more pearls of wisdom from Sophie and me, come and find us on Instagram where I'm mad about the house and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. Have I got it right? You have this time. I've got it right. And Oliver is at Oliver Heath Design. And don't forget to check out the Facebook group, The Great Indoors Podcast, where they're all busy chatting away and ignoring every word we say on here and breaking all our rules as if they have personalities and tastes of their own. (laughs) The idea. Do spread the great indoors love however you can by telling a friend or writing us a little review. We've had some really nice ones, by the way, lately. And finally, just the biggest thank you, Oliver, for having us in your beautiful home. And what are you up to next? I'm taking part in a new exhibition called Planted, and it's on in May in London, and it's all about urban greening and health and well-being. So it's going to be like a fascinating collection of people selling amazing stuff and getting involved with how our spaces make us feel. So I guess people can find out more on that on your website, which is... OliverHeath.com. Simples. Thanks also to our sponsor, Tops Tiles, to our producer, Kate Taylor, and of course to you for listening so avidly. And we'll see you in the great indoors. 
steady. That's lovely, isn't it? Was till you broke it. <laughs> <laughs>